0: Keep your children from wrongdoing, cause you know done well that
1: they'll go to hell. Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back they'll to The Good Play, go a podcast hell. about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she I'll is the answer. It's my sister, Marissa. <laughs> 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 I mean, are we just... This whole... I, mean, I promised you, 90 minutes of sobbing. You did. You promised our listeners 90 minutes of sobbing, and that 90 minutes starts right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> this episode was amazing.
0: Yeah, if you don't like this episode, you can go. That's fine.
1: <laughs> I don't... I. Just see your way out. (laughs) Just see your way out. That's exactly right. Before we get to it, a little bit of housekeeping up top. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. We have one new review this week from somebody who you (laughs) might know, Marissa. (laughs) Yeah. And you can follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play where we're just like posting gifts of people sobbing. And now we know (laughs) that it's pronounced gifts because Janet says so. Uh, Twitter, you can follow us at The Good Play Pod, where Marissa uh, is live tweeting every new episode. So that won't be happening again until January, which is oh, lame, God. but we'll figure out a way to pass the time. And then you can also send us an email at TheGoodPlayPod at gmail.com. On the GIF front,
0: Yes. an old friend of mine, Gandhi, who is also a listener, texted me to say that it, it is, in fact, GIF. And he triple majored in computer science, (laughs) physics, and math at our top-tier university. And he is much smarter than I am. So I am comfortable saying that it is, in fact, GIF. It is GIF, ladies and gentlemen.
1: As if we needed more proof. Gandhi and Janet both.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Should we get into the recap, or do you want to Fighting Temptations this for
0: a sec? Oh, I'll do very briefly Fighting Temptations. Yeah. Um, It was a Thanksgiving episode... So they bullied Bradley Whitford into celebrating Thanksgiving. He wanted to mope alone, and they bully
1: him into yeah. They celebrating all show up. They all just like show up. They're well, like, hey! he's over.
0: At, he's over at their house first, and then he leaves super grumpy. They tricked him into going because they stole his laptop. What? <sighs> yes, and. <laughs> Then he finds it, and they're like, oops, we stole it. And he's like, ugh, and he storms off, and then they come, and they're like, you secretly wanted to have Thanksgiving with us. And he's like, you're right, I do. Okay, he does explicitly say, though, that he does not
1: believe in God. So Yeah, there was, like, a prayer circle where they're like, I'm grateful to God for blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is on, like, just network television? Okay, cool. And then he does say he doesn't believe in God. And then the last thing I will say... Is that the last shot of the episode is adorable Anna Camp waking up in bed next to her doofy ex-husband. I was so mad about this. I know that I don't watch
0: this show. I don't know these characters' my, my names. My predictions are coming true. <laughs> or their character arcs. But I've been saying since the jump, if Anna Camp gets back with that doofy ex-husband, I'm going to be hecka mad. <laughs>
1: So just, you can say it's a, we say hell all it's a, the time on this it's show. A church,
0: it's a show about church. Oh my god, heck of mad. <laughs> and they they done did it. Ugh, God, that show. I mean, it just it. Oh, it's the worst. Gross. So bad.
1: Can we so that's uh, the, that's the show. show. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Ninety minutes of sobbing and two minutes of recapping the worst show on television. <laughs> Should we get to the best show on television? It can't possibly
0: be the worst show on television. It's definitely the worst show, like, in NBC, sort of, NBC primetime right now. I think that's fair to say. Okay. So, you guys remember what happened last episode, right? (laughs) Jen is in the middle of searching Janet's voids. So Trifton emailed in, listener Trifton emailed in to say, because I had said, like, That can't be every Janet, right? There's like millions or billions of Janets. And he said, you know, they started streaming in and Jen kind of cut off the entrance. That's why there's only a limited number of them. Mm, And I totally missed that. So thanks, Trifton. So Jen is marauding through the Janets and searching their voids and then marbleizing them when they don't have her world destroyer gadget. Cool. (laughs) Womp womp. And meanwhile, the Soul Squad is over, sort of standing in front of Chidi's insensate (laughs) quasi-corpse. And Eleanor being like, Michael, wake up my Chidi! And Michael's like, yeah, here's the thing. Like, there's a lot of memories I gotta stuff back in that noggin of his. So, like, everyone just, can we just be cool, please? His psyche is like a giant bowl of
1: Peep's chili. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So the rest of the episode, except for the last, like, four minutes, the rest of the episode is completely told in flashback. So we get this ultra slow-mo scene of Michael sort of snapping Chidi's memories back. And as that's happening, a couple of things are happening in the background. (laughs) First, Jason has a cocktail that is Midori, which is my favorite liquor. Turns out Jason and me have more in common than I thought. <laughs> Not sure how I feel about that. I have a bottle. I might, in fact, I might take a picture of myself with my bottle of Midori and put it on the Twitter feed. I think you should at Manny many Manny Jisdod. It's uh, Midori, Coffee Mate, and Ditch Water. No. I know. It's called a Duval something. I don't Duval know. Duval Ditch Water. Okay. <laughs> like... So he has like a tall glass of that. It's from his own funeral, which happened in the last episode. He's trying. He was about to give that to Eleanor, but he tripped, and it is extravagantly spilling out of his like uh, margarita glass. Okay, so that's one thing that's happening. And and meanwhile, and you this is all ultra slow mo, and you see Eleanor like reacting to it, like oh no. Simultaneously, uh, Eleanor asks Janet for like a real drink. So you see like materializing inch by inch on janet's palm like a that was the coolest like a a real drink and tahani just sort of becoming more and more horrified as the as the slow-mo continues so that we're all we're stuck in this we're waiting in a moment here with you we're (laughs) we're we're a lighthouse reference yes it is We are children of the nineties. So we're stuck in this moment in like the present, but the the rest of the episode occurs completely in flashback. So we start with baby Cheedy, who gets his first tummy ache when his parents ask him if he would prefer to have a name other than Cheedy. Like le- legit like this baby was just born. Yeah. <laughs> and we are to understand he understood enough to be like, I don't know, do I want to be named Cheaty? Ooh <laughs> So cute. The- Then we get kind of the linchpin scene of Chidi's psyche, I guess? Where he's eight years old, he can hear his parents fighting in the other room. He seems to have no brothers and sisters. So (laughs) Chidi's parents are in the other room, they're fighting, he can overhear them fighting, so he takes a philosophy book and a sociology book off his bookshelf. I have to assume they're like, I mean, so like real talk, our mom was a professor for most of our, I think all your childhood and most Mm -hmm. of my childhood. Mm -hmm. And she got free textbooks, which is what happens. That's why your textbooks cost so much, folks, because (laughs) uh, publishing companies send them out for free to every Tom, Dick, and Harriet who teaches a class, you know, that might be slightly applicable to this textbook, okay? Okay. So they're sending out like hundreds, if not thousands of free textbooks. So mom used to get all kinds of free psychology textbooks. Our mom was a psychology professor. That might and, explain like, a few things about us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got a bunch of her psychology
1: textbook hand-me-downs. You didn't like, get a whole bunch of her hand-me-downs. You would just go what? read them in the other room where the bookshelf no, no, no. Was. I adopted them. They became
0: mine. They oh, they, okay. they joined my books in my bedroom. Mom okay. didn't care if she didn't want to use a book for her class. Like, as far as she was concerned, it was useless to her. So I, you know, I leached the interesting, accessible books. I'll say, like, out of out of her pile and into mine. So it, like, it's hard to know exactly what's going on with Chidi's parents. We hear like some snippets of like. You know the mom saying like you're just mad that your book was rejected. So like the father is an academic. I'm not sure what he like what his
1: field is. If it is
0: sociology, if it is psychology, or what is uh, philosophy. I I I just have no idea. There's also
1: a little bit about like you're always at the university really late. So like there's some some stuff about like not making time for each other, etc. Maybe he's trying to go for tenure. Like it's really hard to know. So like the plausible
0: explanation to me here is that. You know his dad is a professor, and like he's getting these like cast-off textbooks the way I used to get, which I you know found very endearing. Mm-hmm. And he writes a an hour long presentation on why his parents should not get divorced based on everything he found in his like, his, his his various textbooks. Um, uh, and I love you know his blackboard has some bullet points on it about like you know um, where would I put my books? Where would I keep my books? Which I, I was didn't like see that. that yes i was like a hundred percent a concern of mine yes <laughs> but it was like financial difficulties like this <laughs> so again yeah. all these I had all these points and he gives he gives his parents this lecture and they are obviously like really impressed by it and they're like okay well argued and Thank you, sweetheart, and we're going to take you to school now. And Chidi gets to school and he tells his best friend, Uzo, who we've seen a bunch of times over the course of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, Uzo, you can always find the answer. If you read enough books and think hard enough, you can find the answer to any question. And Uzo's like, you're really smart, but that sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see the first sort of consequence of this when the teacher asks Chidi to take a seat, to like pick a seat for the day of, of school. And he can't. Because he's trying to, like, weigh every variable and, you know, (laughs) come up with the answer to where he should sit. And, of course, like, he can't. And other kids are taking out the seats. And he's like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So we flash forward to Chidi in college. His parents are coming over to meet his girlfriend, Alessandra. So she's meeting his parents for the first time. He brings over this, like, charcuterie plate and, and, you know, trying to, you know his parents are sort of bragging about this lecture that he gave when he was eight, trying to keep them from getting divorced. And they're like, you know, and it worked and we're still together all these years later. And the girlfriend mentions, and Chidi's like, yes, that's what, you know, set me on the path to philosophy, how, you know, answering life's biggest questions. And the girlfriend's like, I think theoretical physics has bigger questions. And Chidi's like, oh, should I switch my major? And his parents just kind of give each other this look like, ah, Chidi being Chidi again. Yeah. (laughs) So, afterwards, Chidi's cleaning up in the kitchen and he drops a fork into the garbage disposal, which I think all of us who are super fans were sitting there like kind of clenched, being like, uh, the disposal's getting turned on with that fork in it. Hey. <laughs> it's definitely yep. gonna happen. Yep. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, my parents liked you. And she's like, yeah, we should break up. And they basically have this fight about how, you know, Chidi is overly focused on the logical cerebral head-based stuff and insufficiently focused on emotion guts heart whatever you want to call it and she quotes hume here saying that reason must be a slave to our passions which i found really interesting because i've heard that quote recently in an interview with philip pullman who we reference the Golden Compass, like, on the every regular. other episode. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully everybody knows who he is by now. But he wrote The Golden Compass, The Subtle Knife, The Amber Spyglass, and then the, sort of, other books in that universe. You know, if you're watching his dark materials on HBO, that's the source material. So, I mean, Philip Pullman, in his most recent book, has a lot of stuff about the limits of reason. How you cannot, in fact, reason your way... Into every position that you need in order to be like a functional human being, and he quotes Hume, I believe, in in the interviews I've seen with him, that you mm. know reason, reason in and of itself, reason with no context, reason with no humanity, with no humane context, reason is reason is impotent.
1: Mm. Interesting,
0: and. Cheedy is not into this, and he says that Kant refuted Hume, and in fact, you know, he's like, I'm gonna show you how much you mean to me, and then he, like, goes behind her and be like, to go to the library, to show you how, you know, Kant refuted Hume, and she's like, oh my god, you cannot be serious, and walks out.
1: Yeah, she thinks he's leaning in for a kiss, and he's really leaning in to get a book that was behind her on the counter.
0: (laughs) Yes, and then he just turns on the garbage disposal and listens to the fork make its forky noise.
1: Wait, you, you, uh... I did omit
0: my favorite, one of my favorite lines of the episode. Yes, which
1: was, you know, she's like, she's like, should we even really be together? Like, we don't really have that much in common. And he says, well, I mean, you like Kant, I like Kant, and she goes, we're not a book group. And he goes, we're not not a book group. And I was just like, oh, that's
0: that's why Chidi is my husband. (laughs) We're not not a book group. Okay, yeah, I my my throat is feeling a little bit. blurky. So, Brianna is going to pick up the the summary from
1: here. All right. I have half a mind to start singing Lifehouse again, but I won't do that too. I uh... will both cut it out
0: and also murder you. <laughs> One of those things
1: seems like a pretty big overreaction. <laughs> um All right so next we go to uh chidi's thesis advisor so we are to understand that the breakup and this scene happen within the same week we'll, we'll come to find that out so chidi's thesis advisor oh we know this kind of because at the beginning of dinner with alessandra his now ex-girlfriend chidi's dad says something about oh it's it's too bad about your advisor chidi so like we understand that this is happening around the same time. So Chidi's thesis advisor basically says that Chidi's thesis is like incomplete, inscrutable, like incredibly long garbage.
0: I did a freeze frame on the title page. What does it say? I can't remember it all, but it's like what we must do and what we must not do, colon, a treatise on the entirety of human ethics, colon, uh you know, th- ethical theory as it relates to human behavior
1: colon like it just it went on forever i bet the writers had a lot of fun with that one yeah probably and we we get the same theme that he says there's a great mind at work here but i don't see the emotion I, there's no heart there are no guts there's nothing you know philosophy is supposed to move you now i don't know how true that is but you know, <laughs> know, know, know. um He says, "You know, philosophy supposed the best philosophy has emotion behind it. Where is that with you?" And he's like, "I understand. I'm going to go home and write a shorter paper to convince you that I should continue doing my longer paper." And the thesis advisor throws him out. He just yell "Shut up!" at him a bunch of times, which is pretty funny. And then um, Chidi's back at home with Uzo, his buddy. Chidi is wearing the cowboy boots that we've seen
0: (laughs) before.
1: Which, one of the things I absolutely loved about this episode was their attention to detail about, like, where all of the different, different memories happen within the different timelines.
0: Allegedly, there's one object that follows him through every incarnation of himself, but I could not figure out what that was.
1: Maybe it was the fork. <laughs> so, in this, in this uh, memory, Chidi is wearing the cowboy boots, and Chidi says that he thought Alessandra was the answer, to all of his his problems and Uzo reminds him that there is no answer. that everybody his entire life has been trying to tell him that and Chidi's like really stubborn about it he's just like no I have to find the answer that will impress Alessandra and my thesis advisor and bonus for me if it's the same answer for both of them like he he, he wants to everything to be Governed by reason, he doesn't want to have to deal with emotions, and Uzo gets really aggravated with him. And this is something they do a few times during the episode that I really loved. They had these oh, kind the of, editing
0: was amazing.
1: The editing was great. They have these like jump cuts where the same character is saying the same thing, but kind of in different, either in different tones or in a different um, scenario. So Uzo gets really ag- aggravated, and he says, "It's literally impossible to be your friend," which we have heard before. And it jump cuts to the second half of that sentence, ju- jump cuts to when Chidi dies originally because he, Uzo's getting married. And we've seen this scene before where they're standing outside trying to pick a bar to go to to like celebrate. And that's when he gets crushed by the air conditioner. And that's what Uzo's saying to him. It's literally impossible to be your friend. So then he, we see from Chidi's perspective, he looks up, the air conditioner's coming down on him. The next memory is Chidi waking up outside Michael's office for the first time and Michael's showing him around the afterlife and he shows Chidi that his fridge, his fridge picks the breakfast for him so he doesn't have to choose. (laughs) And his breakfast is, of course, oatmeal and almond milk. Which I do like, I I bet he had almond milk
0: in real life because he was lactose intolerant but like it's the good place like you can have real milk man it's okay
1: <laughs> Well he likes almond milk but he likes it too much he that's the reason he always thinks he's getting sent to the bad the bad place <laughs> Yeah poor boy So then Michael introduces Janet and says, like, Janet can answer any question in the universe that you have. And Chidi gets, like, super flustered by this. And he just yells, what's the biggest fish? And Janet goes, <laughs> the whale shark. And it's, like, so... Sh- I love... Janet and Chidi's relationship in this episode is so sweet. And just to show the, like, progression from this first meeting to the where they eventually end up is so beautiful. And yes. he's, like... He's like, I'm sorry, that was such a dumb question. And she was like, oh, all questions are equally important to me. And he says, then you and I are going to get along great. And they do, and it's very sweet. Mm. So Cheedy asks Michael if there's a relationship equivalent to the oatmeal, meaning, like, is there... Oh, Which is just the... Oh, God. It's like, that's the most burt from Sesame Street question ever, but... <laughs> I mean, it does kind of explain why Michael had the whole
0: soulmates thing in the first place. Yeah. It was specifically written to torture Cheaty. I mean, it helps yeah. torture Tahani and Jason, Tahani specifically, but it was really there as an F you to, to Cheaty. Yeah, which is maniacal. And at one point, Michael, far in the future of this episode, goes,
1: again, I am sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Their their relationship, too. You just get to see how all these relationships grow. It's really beautiful. So Michael says, yes. He's like, you do have a soulmate. You will get the answer to your ultimate question today. Her name is Eleanor. And then we flash forward to Janet and Jason's wedding from season one. And Janet, you know, Chidi's like, so you two are married. And... (laughs) <laughs> Janet goes, if you'd like to get us a present, we're registered at me. <laughs> <laughs> Just hilarious. And could you imagine, like, Janet doing her wedding registry? She could get you whatever you wanted. It'd be so great. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, um, man. So, Cheaty asks, what I like, too, is that each of these memories obviously serve a purpose to, like, show kind of how all of the other <laughs> yes, people... Yes, the writers are good at no, writing. But, <laughs> yes. but I mean, but I think, like, they all have different perspectives. And so it's just interesting to see how that plays out. So Cheaty asked Jason for advice about how he made a decision this big. And Jason, I mean, is Jason about it and basically says, like, well, where I come from, everything good blows up eventually so he says when you when something good comes along you gotta lock it down which i'm going to put in my wedding vows now i have to but that kind of shows us that jason's ability to make big decisions or make spur of the moment decisions like comes you know from his lived reality that opportunities don't always last good things don't always stay you know he's coming from that scarcity mindset but he's doing it in a really like positive way he's like found a positive way to spin it like if i can hold on to this i will chidi says that he doesn't think he'll he'll ever be able to take a risk like that even with eternity to try then we flash forward again to the season it's funny
0: how convinced he is of his own inability to change
1: uh like not to get real for a second but i think i know a lot of guys who are convinced that they are unable to change <laughs> <laughs> are you subtweeting anyone who's listening to this right now i don't think anybody who listens uh i don't know so chidi says he doesn't think he'll ever be able to take a risk then we cut to the season one finale which is the scene where eleanor figures it out and she says try as you might we'll always find a way back to each other we'll figure it out once we you know we'll figure out again and then they are rebooted and you basic (laughs) yeah basic and then we are rebooted and we see this time a few of Chidi's soulmates, including Tahani, which I think is really interesting because in oh boy. season one, oh boy, that oh boy. was a... That is kinda, a powder keg. Yeah, something they played with a little bit. And then we get... This was amazing. In one of the reboots... <laughs> a lot
0: of people are in love with Esmeralda the Raven Master.
1: <laughs> so uh, one of the reboots, Chidi's soulmate is a goth named esmeralda uh shouts to kate berlant who is the actress who plays her uh i've seen her in a few other things she's so funny esmeralda they're playing some kind of party game where it's like it's kind of like taboo and esmeralda is like just gets up and starts saying like blood the blood of your enemies seas of blood and chidi's like (laughs) what what is it she's like Birthday parties! Like, that's the clue. And he's like, what? And she, and she says, these trivialities demean me. I must away and tend to my ravens. And then she, like... Swoops her cape. Yeah, and leaves. And I have a, a, a friend who I follow on Twitter who said, these trivialities demean me. I must away and tend to my ravens. Is the way I'm going to leave every conversation now. And I was like,
0: yeah, that sounds about right. It's pretty good, yeah.
1: So Tahani, kind of ever the host is, you know, rolling with this and saying, oh, I think I can find you another partner. And turns out it's Eleanor. So then we flash forward to the end of the night. Uh, Chidi is thanking Tahani. He says it's the best night he's had since he's been there. And, you know, uh, Tahani says, oh, you and Eleanor made quite the pair. You were, like, chatting away. And Chidi asks... To Hani, where she gets her confidence, and she says that it just comes from failure. It comes from she's failed so many times. Including Timothy Chalamet's bar mitzvah. Which Oh What even um and that's the second Timothy Chalamet ref we've gotten in this season. Because we got another huh. one because we got another one when she said, I haven't had like that much opposition. She's trying to talk to John in that one episode. She said, I haven't had this much opposition t- since I told Timothy Chalamet to go out in the sun every once in a while. <laughs> so, somebody in the writer's room must have it out for him. He is apparently at least half Jewish. Oh! Welcome to the tribe, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> so. So she says, yeah, like, I've just failed so many times. And he's like, I just don't think I could operate that way. Like, I'm so afraid of failure. I, I can't make a decision until I, I know what the end result is going to be. Meanwhile, Eleanor interrupts and she's like, hey, do you want to go get a drink and talk about ethics? Which is something that I've realized I need to care about urgently. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's sort of so funny. Great. So in that same, we get another memory. It's from that same reboot. Eleanor and Shidi are walking home. They've been studying all night and Cheedy is i guess going home back home to esmeralda that we don't see her well we're told esmeralda sleeps in the nest <laughs> she so does. maybe not with her ravens oh god so eleanor kisses Cheedy, and this was so that's just so much more of a sense of
0: humor than i would expect any demon to have but whatever
1: what sleeping in a nest esmeralda. ravens? Uh, like
0: esmeralda's whole shtick Yeah,
1: because I was watching it going like, well, that's a demon, right? Yes, of course. Like, it would have been funny, I think, if they had gotten Vicky to do that. But Hmm. I think uh, Kate Berlant pulls it off really, really well. So Eleanor kisses Chidi and he's like, who, what, why, what? what? And she's like, okay, uh, I kissed you because I wanted to, and it was me. Weirdo. Weirdo. Which I loved. And um, he's really reluctant to get involved because of Esmeralda. Um, And he just says, you know, they're in a rough patch. They're going to find the answer to work through it. And, oh, just like my parents. Did I tell you that story about my parents? And this is the, like, This this is
0: the, this is the, this is the real
1: tea here. This is it. And this is like, I felt this in my bones. Eleanor says, you know, I don't think that story is as cute as you think it is. You know, I'm sure you were cute, but that's way too much. She to says
0: p- like with your little melon head wearing a
1: tie. And I was like, oh my God, Eleanor. Like
0: sometimes I, I feel like Eleanor is like my spirit creature.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But she says, you know, that that moment is way too much to put on an eight-year-old and I kind of wish that little Cheedy had just gotten to be a kid, and instead of a little professor. Yeah, and I so felt that. You know, I'm I'm close with somebody who, you know, in talking about our our childhoods, you know, he he told me that he was kind of the referee between his parents growing up, and you know, it is sort of that. I, I did have a moment where I was like, "That's a lot. That's a lot for a kid." And and you feel that, like I felt that from Eleanor, just being like, "Yeah, this, this sort of," and and I think what's really striking to me about Cheezy in in this in this conversation is that he it doesn't really ever occur to him that that's too much for a little kid to take on. Because oh no, you... it's his like greatest moment of triumph of his yeah. life. And you know, because when you're a kid and that's your normal, you don't really know any other way and i think especially it's it's especially um poignant coming from eleanor because we know she had a horrible childhood and so if she's saying like that's too much for a little kid then you know it's too much for a little kid <laughs> yeah and so she rescinds her kiss verbally but... rescinds it. Yes. yes but she says you know like we're both into each other like i know we're into each other and then, I love I love
0: Eleanor's confidence like throughout yeah. all time and space we see this over <laughs> and over again that she just knows that cheaty is into her like it's not always going to work out in the moment for whatever reason but she's never like oh how could someone so smart and ethical like me she's always like I know you want this <laughs> like I, I'm uh, a total I'm a legit snack <laughs> yes but it's not just it's I don't think it's just that, you know, she knows that she's physically very beautiful. Like, you know, she always sort of knows that, like, the whole package, like, that Chidi wants her, you know? She just, yeah. she never has a moment's doubt about that. It's I, it's, I it's so great. I
1: love it. You know what? You're right. We've never had a moment where she's like, how could you be into me? And he has to be nope. like, no, 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 you're great. Nope. Like, she always is like, Not yeah. Once.
0: Eleanor's got other problems, but she never has trouble believing for a single moment that Chidi is head over heels in love with her
1: her, uh, ash. (laughs) God bless her. May we all be blessed with that amount of confidence. I'm walking around like, what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Then, like, just cue the waterworks because this is where it starts for me.
0: OMG, WTF, (laughs) BBQ.
1: So... Then we get the sort of, like, jump cut, like, a whole bunch of little jump cuts about his relationship with Eleanor. So, in this one, you know, that we just talked about, she's like, I know you're into me. Like, it's cool. She's all, you know, cutesy. So, we jump forward one. We jump jump to another reboot. Yeah, we jump to another reboot, and they are fighting in the street, and they are... (laughs) This I loved... Oh my god, this line was so good. She goes, "Do you want to say it, or do you want me to say it?" No, no, no. Go ahead. All right. She goes, "Sorry, you got an actual human as a soulmate instead of your real soulmate—a library card full of damp saltines." (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining like a like a
0: rolly cart, like one of those one of those gray gunmetal library rolly carts, just stacked like with perfect. (laughs) Damp salties are such
1: a great mental image. <laughs> and he responds, and they do what we've seen before with Uzo, they do the same thing here. This is I, I cried, I cried at this. I, I mean, this. this was unbelievable editing, but he says he's yelling at her and he says, You are unbelievable unbelievable. I don't know what I did, and then they cut. And the two of them are in another reboot. Actually, I don't know if it's the same reboot. I don't know reboot. if it's the same
0: reboot either. I don't they're know. There's no way to tell.
1: They're in a different situation. And they are cuddling on the couch. And they've got their fingers intertwined. And they're under a blanket together. And he very softly says, To deserve you. And. <laughs> And she's kind of ribbing him a little bit, but it's very clear that they're like totally I love, for I each love it. other. She's like,
0: she's like, well, you've got me until something better comes along. Uh, for me, you've topped out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and she kind of gives him this look, and it's very, very cute. And then uh it goes to another reboot where they're talking about his thesis, and she says, "I'm here for you. What do you need?" And then they go to another reboot, which is or actually it's not the reboot. it's it's their their back second on Earth, life, yeah, their second life. and she says, "I need you." So I liked that that sort of back to back as well. She's saying, "What do you need?" And then in the next clip, she's saying, I need you to guide me, morally speaking. Like, I need someone to guide me. I think I need it to be you. That's what she says. And then there are other scenes that we've seen. There's Eleanor confessing her love to him while they're, like, getting their ashes handed to them at the bar. By demons in Canada. By demons in Canada and then it's the two of them kissing in janet's void and sort of the world coming back together after it's been crumbling and then they're saying goodbye before his memories are erased and it's just like if you're not crying by now i don't know what's wrong with you but delete this mp3 and go walk
0: (laughs) to the ocean
1: i mean you
0: heartless monster
1: so then we kind of catch up to after Cheedy and eleanor say goodbye. That's where we left it at the end of season three in Pandemonium. Right. Where we follow Eleanor's point of view after that. But here we follow Chidi's point of view. And this was so beautiful and affecting. Um, Chidi asks Michael if soulmates are real. Well, actually, no. First, you know, they're walking up the, the sort of street and Chidi says... Or Michael says, are you sure you want to do this? And Chidi mm. says... This is I the finally first... make one damn decision, <laughs> yeah, and you guys oh. want to talk me out of it. And then Cheedy asks if soulmates are real, and Michael says he doesn't know, but he doesn't think so. It was a way to to torture Cheedy because Cheedy came to the afterlife <laughs> looking for answers. And again, sorry about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael says, "Look, if soulmates do exist, they're found. They're not found. They're made." He says, "Like your your parents, right? You know, you your parents." Um, you know, they didn't stay together because of this, like, magical presentation that you gave them. They stayed together. They found <laughs> each other, and they decided to work at it, and they went to counseling. And Chidi said, oh, I didn't know they went to counseling. And he's like, yeah, kids kids don't know half of what their parents get up to. And, you know, Chidi has this really lovely line where he says, life isn't a puzzle that can be solved one time and it's done. You wake up every day and you solve it again. And then he kind of gets choked up and he said, "What a time to learn!" Right and... in this moment
0: where he's almost—he's not committing suicide, but he is going to lose everything that he's learned, you know, and be reset and possibly never get back to that point that he just reached.
1: Yeah, and so Chidi, before he, you know, he says, "I'm ready," but I have to do one more thing. Chidi calls Janet and asks for a pen and a piece of paper. He writes himself a And she a gives note. him a marbled notebook, like a school notebook. Yeah. And he writes himself a note and he says, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again or if I'm going to remember you when I do, but can you hold onto this for me? And can you give it back to me at some point when I get out when of When the time is right. When the yeah. time is right. And she says yes. And she kisses him on the cheek, which I thought was so sweet. And he says goodbye to Janet And then we are back in the judge's chambers. Cheedy wakes up and he's like, Hey guys. And then he, he says, I feel great. (laughs) And then he says, you know, have I been really annoying for the last 300 years? And they're all like, Oh, uh, mm, mm." and Jason's like, yeah, you really have. Um, (laughs) And then Eleanor kind of catches him up on the fact that, you know, uh, everything that's been going on, they need the answer to the new afterlife. And he seems really confident, but, in a way that's like, well, the journey is the discovery, right? Like, there's no one answer. There could be 800 answers. There could be no answers. There could be this. It could be that. And then he's like, let's get to work. And he goes to Janet. And he says, can I have my note He notes? said, well, I, yeah, give me one minute. Goes over to Janet.
0: I need my note, please.
1: And, and Janet she,
0: says, if you remember that you wrote a note,
1: then you remember what you wrote. And he said, well, still, I would like it. Uh, I think it's some of the best writing I've ever done. Do you want to say what the note says? <laughs> so he unfolds the top first and it says there is no quote unquote
0: answer. So the word answers in double quotes. There is no quote answer. And it ling- the camera lingers on that for a moment before he unfolds the bottom half, which says, but Eleanor is the answer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: And 90 minutes of stereo sobbing begins now. <laughs> I am sort of speechless. This episode is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I had thought the note was going to say find Eleanor, but this was me so too. much better. I mean, it would have been a great piece of symmetry if it had said find Eleanor, but it says something much more profound and lovely. But obviously, it's an obvious sort of callback to that moment, you know, where she writes the note that says find Chidi.
1: Yeah. Man, the two of them just making me believe in love. <laughs>
0: It is beautiful. And it's, like, such a great, it's such a great and necessary episode, because what we have known, like, you know, Chidi's character has been developing slowly but steadily over, you know, over the first three seasons, right? And then we had to get him back to, you know, ground zero again for, for season four. But when we're talking about Chidi through seasons one through three, you know, this was a man who you know could never have been entrusted with this task that they need for him to do. Eleanor is correct that he is the most qualified because he's this expert in ethics. But he had this fatal flaw of indecisiveness, always searching for, you know, the higher, more comprehensive answer to anything, you know, what's the what's the one umbrella thing that's gonna make everything make the most sense like the Cheaty that woke up that first time you know in season one could never have had this task put on his shoulders to like figure out the afterlife in an hour right <laughs> like that would have been doomed to failure and then we saw like over three seasons they built him up finally you know the wh- He's just had these moments of clarity, like the time that he just kissed Eleanor, right? Like, hot diggity dog, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's had these moments of clarity where he stopped letting... He stopped getting in his own way. (laughs) He stopped uh, over-intellectualizing everything. He stopped uh, trying to logic his way out of things that you can't logic your way in or out of, right? Yeah. He, He... he finally matured into somebody who could, you know, instead of just being this, you know, it was always sort of like, he was the super ego, like not that I believe Freudian analytics, but like that he would function as the super ego and Eleanor function as the id. Right. But like, you can't, you can't live like that. You can't live just as the super ego. Like you, you actually need this sort of whole unified person. And he's finally over three seasons and, and, and him just, synthesizing everything that's happened to him over the course of this episode, he has finally reached the place where he can take all of his knowledge and intellectualism and uh, deep ethical principles and then marry them with uh, someone who can actually make gut decisions. I mean, like, I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, but decision making in human beings is a fundamentally emotional process. There is no decision making without emotions. Which, we know this because of some tragic edge cases. Like, uh, there was a man who, I believe he lost his ability to feel emotions due to a brain tumor, which is, of course, terrible. But but he lost the ability to make decisions. He could not pick a cereal out of the cereal aisle, okay? Mm. Like, there is no decisiveness in humanity without without emotionality. So we've finally gotten to the place for Chidi after all this time and all, you know, 300 years worth of experience and a lot of that having to do with Eleanor, where he can marry these two halves of himself together and actually be the person who steps up and saves the day.
1: Yeah, and that also, and, and he's also allowed himself to be influenced by not just Eleanor, but everybody else around him i mean that that's what these vignettes sort of tell us right is that he's been around tahani for 300 years and he's watched her be effortlessly confident in all of these situations and he's watched jason just kind of go with his gut and make decisions and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but jason just kind of rolls with the punches and um you know Obviously, we know what Eleanor has done for him, but I I would also say, you know, Janet's evolution and Michael's evolution, they all, it's such a beautiful thing to see how through his evolution, how they all have also evolved more towards each other and have improved with each other. And I think right. I mean, was... Eleanor
0: has had a parallel process. Yes. Of how she came in as this complete id monster. <laughs> what do I want? You know, the, the sort of the very sort of tactile or, or sensory pleasures that she wanted, and she did not think a lot or read a lot or anything like that, and she certainly never thought about how to be a good person and how you know, 300 years with Chidi has pushed her into being someone who she's just spent the last year, (laughs) right? Pretending to be an angel basically. And she pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Except with Simone, which is another story.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. It's a testament to everything. It's a testament to the, the story, the writing, the acting. I mean, everybody knocked it out of the park in this episode. Everybody knocked it out of the park.
0: So someone, a lot of people have mentioned that it's kind of weird that Simone doesn't appear in these memories at all. I'll say two things. Firstly, that probably Simone's presence would muddy the waters a little bit. Like, it's a very crystal clear arc about how the cockroaches enabled each other to become the best versions of themselves, right? And mm-hmm. and Simone is not part of that. But also, you and I were talking about this earlier today, like, There's a lot of, like, SAG pay scale stuff having to do with how many episodes of a TV show you're in. It may turn out that Simone is in in the back half of this season, in which case I'm completely off base. But there's something to do with, are you in fewer than half of the episodes in a season, in which case, you know, you get treated very differently by SAG. So I'm wondering if they deliberately kept the new humans out of this episode, so that they would not have to be paid this sort of, like, regular series uh, pay scale.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw them kind of in these, like, really, really quick flashbacks. Like, there were kind of these moments of really, re- like, one or two second clips in between these longer Oh, vignettes. yeah, I don't even
0: think they were a full second,
1: yeah. And, you know, we see them, I think we see some of the new crew in one of those, one or two of those, but th- that was probably footage that they already had. Um, so, yeah, I don't think... And I do agree. Like, Simone obviously is a, a very significant relationship in Chidi's life, but doesn't necessarily prove the point that they're trying to prove. Right, she definitely episode. doesn't prove the
0: point. I mean, the, the fundamental... Wedge between Simone and Chidi is that he has
1: these deep ethical principles that she kind of can't live with. And she's also governed by reason, but it's just scientific reason. It's not right. It's not philosophical reason. So I don't think that you would have had that same kind of dichotomy of like, well, I'm more emotional. You're more intellectual. And therefore, you know, we can't this can't work. Or in Eleanor's case, this really does work. We challenge each other a lot, but it does work. Um, In her case, it's like, you're intellectual. I'm intellectual in a different way. I don't see your way of being intellectual as something that's compatible with me, so I'm going to jet. And so I don't think you get that same tension that you do, you know. And even when, you know, I was bummed when they broke up on Earth, but even then... You know, she kind of was like, "Okay, well maybe it's for the best. Like, you're kind of a weirdo. So, maybe it's fine." You know, she it it there was definitely there it was not a passion-filled relationship. It
0: did not appear it, it there was never any real sort of romantic chemistry between the two of them. Like right. they were they were two lovely people who occasionally <laughs> are dating on the course of the show and it's just like obviously not end game it's not something that lights up the screen the way that chelanor does
1: yeah i mean i gotta hand it to to william jackson harper and Kristen bell they have been through their paces as a fictional couple they have been asked to (laughs) like so many times over fight and leave and come back to each other and and kiss and you know do more oh yeah! Poor and, Kristen
0: Bell has no, no. to kiss William Jackson Harper. Let me play the world's smilest violin.
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the the range of emotion that they have to show with each other um, is. I mean, even just you see it in all these clips, right? Like they're they're fighting, they're snuggling, they're dancing, they're running away from each other, they're strangers, they're deeply in love all within, you know, like I can imagine I'm just imagining, I know they didn't do it like this but if you had to film all those scenes in one day (laughs) that would be a little bit like where are we now? Yeah, I I really can't say enough good things about this episode. It's so lovely it's one
0: of the few that I have felt compelled to watch again in in fewer than 24 hours.
1: Yeah. And it's I think too because we really missed. I mean, I say we. I'll speak for me. I really missed Cheedy. I know you did too. I get the sense that a lot of other people did. You know, he was in this season, but he's been kind of sidelined because he's been with the new folks and hasn't had a lot of like meat. And so, I'm really, really glad this almost felt like his Janet's episode. Yes. and Janet's yes. was. He should. Still he, one if he doesn't them. get an Emmy nomination for this,
0: it's it's a travesty.
1: Yeah and janet's is one of my favorite episodes of the whole show and this one is too because it's just these like little brilliant character studies and this also reminded me of um the michael and janet episode too where we kind of get to see mm. their their evolution together as friends and kind of seeing uh michael like pick out janet from the janet warehouse <laughs> and all up through you know the point where they're at just really beautiful I don't know. I, I have I have no nitpicks for this episode. I have no, nothing no. that I'm like. But were there any critical responses that you wanted to discuss? Sure. Um, so this sort of goes along with, with what we were just talking about. Io nine says the episode is mostly here so we can see how Cheedy, how Eleanor and Cheety's relationship progress from his point of view. We've often viewed the relationship from Eleanor's perspective. Sometimes it makes things feel one-sided. I appreciate the time the series took in this episode to show us what Eleanor means to him, especially as the series is winding down. I just thought that was like a nice little, nice little nod. This one is from AV Club. For Chidi and Agonye, last hope of humanity and linchpin of this ultimate endgame of a show that has raised our expectations so high that the terror of it letting us down in the end is greater than that of a million butthole spiders. <laughs> His unreadably ambitious 3,500-word treatise on life, the universe, and everything comes down ultimately...
0: 3,500 page, not 3,500-word, 3,500-page. That's true. That's true. 3,500 words is like barely a New it's York like a Times blog article. Yeah.
1: Um, everything comes down ultimately to two perfectly contradictory sentences... And they, you know, obviously there is no answer, but Eleanor is the answer. And this reviewer says, head and heart, intellect and gut, reason and love. And I just thought that was really nice. It's exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. Nobody has
0: anything mean to say, I suppose. No,
1: everyone's like, thank God. (laughs) Like, you know, I, I I think this season we haven't really made any bones about the fact that like we felt a little unstable this season we haven't really known where things are going we also have spent a lot of time with characters that were sort of like well we know this isn't the end game so what are we still doing with these people I think all that stuff got wrapped up fairly well last episode but I think it's I I think there probably is this collective sigh of relief of like oh we're back to the main relationships that anchor this show so everybody was just really effusive about it everybody that i saw
0: yeah i don't think i saw anybody saying having a single negative word to say about it i mean they pull off at least one of these episodes every season yes there is at least one episode every season where you're like oh that belongs in the television hall of fame yeah. right certainly dance dance resolution is one mm-hmm. of those episodes hmm Jan- like you said Janice is one of that one of those episodes the season 1 closer is one of those episodes absolutely like they are they are always operating on this on this extremely high level but even when you are at the top of the game of television you can still reach for the rafters once in a while and really make everything sore, and that's what this episode is. I mean you have to hope that there's going to be another one like this for the season finale for the series finale oh my right? God. I don't want this to be the high point of the season <laughs> I want it to it's the high point of the front half of the season but I would like the back half of the season to be you know also have
1: that sort of climax I think the series finale is going to be an hour. That makes sense certainly. So we're going to have yeah yeah I mean if we if you think we're sobbing now, just wait. <laughs> just wait.
0: I just want Eleanor and Cheedy to be able to just you know, just have a little apartment with lots of books and infinite shrampies for Eleanor. Shrimpies. And I
1: just and I just want the two of them to be left alone. <laughs> like that is sort can, of paradise for them at the end of the day, isn't it? Just yeah. Just can we just
0: please
1: leave them alone? Can we
0: give them some peace? <laughs>
1: They've yeah, been through so much. I think they. I think it's just that the two of them chilling out in the dot of the eye. Yes, you know? Jeremy Baraby, baby. We need it. We need it. We're not going to get any more good place until January. So I think December. We're going to take next week off because it's Thanksgiving. Yay! But I think December we'll come back with, we'll start some, uh, some Christmas movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some Netflix originals that are really, really burning up the Netflix charts. Oh my gosh. Um, Hallmark is coming out with two... Hanukkah movies, but they're basically just Christmas movies with like a Jewish one character, one Jewish person.
0: <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy!
1: So we'll be back at you. I mean, we kind of did the best Christmas movie of all time last time around, which yeah, was we really, uh, we uh really blew it—Ghost Boyfriend Christmas. But we'll find some other ones. Spirit of Christmas, I believe, is the actual title. <laughs> yeah, we'll find some other ones. Uh, have you watched William Jackson Harper reading thirst tweets about himself? Not yet. Please, I can post do that. a link
0: to it though in the episode description. I'll do please that. Please
1: do it. Uh, please watch it. I, I hope everybody watched,
0: watched the clip from Wally that I put in the episode description last week. Especially Wall- since it proved it proved me correct. Oh, I'm so sorry. Just gonna You're... put that out there.
1: <laughs> you can't ever. You, you gotta always be right. I can't. I can never be chill about anything yes
0: yeah I mean you've known that for 31 years though. that is true
1: <laughs> much like Cheezy getting a stomach ache as a tiny baby when I was a tiny baby I looked at my older sister four years older than me and I went she's not gonna be chill about anything is she <laughs> and I was correct uh, we have one iTunes review oh please from your friend Chris yes Chris Swenson, who's a who published co- author. Ooh, all right. He wrote a textbook, I think. Is it a textbook that Cheedy would have on his bookshelf? No. Oh, okay. So his review is called "The Best Play." Thank you so much, Chris. He says this is the best podcast dedicated to the new Josh Lyman hit show, The Fighting Temptations. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Anything else? Uh, we've, we've just been crying for a good hour, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I think we have the answer. All right. Until next time, I must away and tend to my ravens.
1: <laughs> we'll see you in a couple of weeks, ding-dongs. Knock, knock, knocking on Devon's door. Duh, falling even more in love with you standing here until you make me move i'm hanging by a moment here with you it's not a bad song. i'm living for the only thing i know see i'm running and not I'm running, I'm
0: not quite sure where to go. I would never have been able to come up with that lyric.
1: <laughs> I don't know what I'm diving into. I'm hanging don't. by a moment here with you. Thank There's you. nothing left to no, lose. No, no, no. We're not going into
0: the bridge. No, thank you. <laughs> nothing left to find. No! no. Nothing in the world that can change my Stop. mind. Stop. Okay.